Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by CornNation.com, hosted on JitteryMonkey.com, and part of that family of podcasts, but also an SB Nation podcast network, network podcast, SB Nation network podcast. There. We're going to get it next week. That's my goal. Uh, my name is Greg Mahachko, joined by the other two legs of the tripod. To my right, hailing from Gretna, Nebraska, it's Hoss Reuter. And to my left, from the great wide north of Minnesota, John Dam Johnston, the leader of us all. Gentlemen, how you doing? Wow, that was, that was really neat. Thank you. I've never been able to do anything like that in my life without, like, stuttering. I uh I used to do this for a living, so. You know where the weight room is? I didn't. That's what you sounded like. I uh, but, uh <clears throat> I was I was going for a very poor man's Michael Buffer, and by that I mean like the hobo, uh, in the alley by John's house, his the version wine? of Michael Buffer. Okay. Yeah, a wino's okay. Michael Buffer. There like we go. It. Should we should we tell people that we're we're trying to become more professional? Apparently not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we I, th- I thought no, that should okay. sailed. There's nothing professional about this outfit. Well, here's for our listeners. Since we have ads and we're selling bacon now or not, I thought that we would try to actually like have topics and like have like a structure. But these two bastards apparently aren't going to go along with that. I feel like you're trying to change. I feel like the money's changing you, John. It already has. <laughs> All dollar sixty five. Next thing you know, John's gonna be like getting highlights in his hair and buying European sports cars and divorcing his wife and disowning his kids and marrying a twenty five year old, you know. John's just gonna totally change now that we've hit the big time. Yeah, that you know that Eight dollars and sixty-five cents. I'm sure we're going to get from this monthly. Is you know what eight dollars and sixty-five cents would buy me monthly? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't come know. on, come on. What? what was it? Toilet paper. You had it. Coors Banquet. No, God, no, no. A four-pack of Guinness. One four-pack of Guinness. I could get for eight dollars and sixty-five cents, probably. All right, how much? How many bottles of Mad Dog Twenty Twenty could you buy for the winos next to the liquor store for eight dollars and however many odd cents? Two. Only two, really? Hmm. It's still two bottles of wine. My God, man, what do you want? Guess I've never looked at the price because I've never bought it. (laughs) You're a sad human being. Let's start with news. We're going to start with news. Okay, we're going to start with news and. John, are you trying to take over the show? I mean, yeah, like, I think this is a hostile takeover, Greg. I feel a little territorial. Do, do do I do you want me to uh, disclose the news items one by one, and then we'll discuss, or do you want to do that, John? Because you created the Google Doc that that uh, has all these in place. 
God, I sound like a monster now. Uh. Now, we love you. And this is not yet an intervention, but if it happens next week, we're going to... I don't know. The, 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 I don't know what's going to happen if this, if this type of attitude continues. Don, you're like the other meteorologist, Jonas and Twister. You're a corporate sellout. <laughs> Me and Greg are like Bill Paxton's crew. <laughs> That's the nicest okay, thing anybody's whatever. ever said. I'm like Bill the big Paxton's news of the, crew. The big news of the day, the big news of the day is that our basketball team has won two games in the Big Ten tourney. That's not Damn, even a way. It's big news because that Maryland game, that, that, that was a man's game. I, I want to point out uh, to the listeners a little peek behind the curtain that that's not – John, is, he, he created the script, and then he's going off script because that's not number one on his news items. Well, they're just lists. They're just – I know. You can I'm, go in I'm, any order. Is number one on his news item items Lori Laughlin? No. <laughs> uh, yes, it is. Yes, uh, it actually is. Oh, yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't realize the two I were – uh, we're uh, connected, but no. Let's yeah. Let's talk about that. Uh, obviously, Nebraska uh, basketball has won three in a row. Uh, they really turned things around in the last minute and a half or so of the uh, Iowa game, winning that one in overtime, uh, opening up uh, the tournament uh, with a win Wednesday night, uh, defeating Rutgers, and then Thursday afternoon in a game I actually got a chance to listen to while I was driving my truck uh, for work. They defeated. Maryland, uh, that's a 13 seed over a five seed, a very big win. What is what? I mean, this is a, a depleted roster. So, what what do you guys think we can attribute this turnaround to? I mean, this rapid turnaround. Well, I think that Tim Miles must have consulted with Norman Dale. <laughs> okay. Did he have Tim him Miles. go out and measure the hoop? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> You know, and uh, Johnny Trueblood is, you know, I was going to say Jimmy Chitwood, but no, he's Johnny Trueblood is probably more like that really short Runt? student manager did, slash, you did, know. Didn't they call him Runt or something like that? I think so. I think so. That's what I think. It, I think it comes down to the fact that uh, they got nothing left to lose. I, yeah. I, I was, when your back's against the wall, you can just cut it loose. As I mentioned, I was listening to it on the TuneIn app uh, Thursday and caught uh, the bit of the pregame, and uh, Kent Pavelka was talking about, you know what, he he says, this is a Nebraska team that's nothing to lose and uh, all the pressure being on Maryland. And, you know, the way it started out, both teams kind of started out a little flat uh, out of the gate, and then Nebraska uh, got a lead, and, and even though... You know, at, at times I think it was what a fourteen-point lead or eleven-point lead at halftime. I think, and then fourteen uh, uh, quickly out of uh, the halftime break. At one point, the mm-hmm. lead got down to five, and then Nebraska turned it on and, and uh, you know kept Maryland at bay. And I remember I, I had this thought to myself uh, as I was sitting in my truck uh, driving along, and I think Nebraska was up by eleven or thirteen or something like that. And I thought to myself, and I didn't verbalize it, and. At the time, I thought I was saying something very, or thinking something very profound, but the more I thought about it, I was like, well, no shit, Greg. Uh, but I thought, man, if, if Nebraska just holds on to this double-digit lead until uh, the end of the game, they should win it. <laughs> Sometimes it's that simple, man. It is. That, it is. That, that hey. reminds me of a story from when I played high school football. We were at halftime against Gross, and it was in a really tight game, and this one of the op- senior offensive linemen who 
just wasn't very smart. He goes, guys, to win the game, we have to score more points than they do. <laughs> and he said it with such conviction, you know, and it's just like, and I remember the head coach just going, yeah, it really is that simple, guys. I'm glad that you figured it out. Greg, I'm glad that you've always known it. It's yeah. just sometimes that simple. It, uh... Okay, now, I was watching this game on BTN on a big computer screen while I was working. Nice. And by the time I I walk, I stopped and I walked to my car to go and I turned on the radio or I turned on iTunes on my iPhone. But between that time, it is about 150 meters, 150 yards, whatever. Maryland got a technical and it was a five-point swing. What did they get the technical for? So that was on Turgeon. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was there basically yeah, he's just, he's just a little hissy fit. From my, my understanding, the uh, the officials were inconsistent all all day long oh. uh, for for both sides. Um, but they, they uh, uh, even Nebraska uh, announcers thought that uh, the Huskers got away with a couple of fouls, kind of you know bang bang right there on the on the Maryland end, and Turgeon apparently flipped out and. Uh, uh, it was great because I don't know his name, uh, but Pavelka's color commentator, um, Jake Muleheiser. Thank yeah. you. Uh, he uh, he flipped out. He says, "Throw him out! Give tee him up! Get him out of here!" And and Pavelka's you know trying to like settle. How much coffee have you had today? Settle down. <laughs> oh really? So Dang, it, and I missed that. So is it kind of like Vince McMahon? Saying take his ass to jail about Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> it was, uh, um, it, 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 that'd be that'd be a pretty fair comparison if uh, if uh, McMahon was the babyface in that uh, scenario. But. Yeah. You know when you talked about the refs just being so inconsistent. Uh, that one they were reviewing it for a flagrant foul when Maryland's point guard basically stiff armed Glenn Watson in the face. I heard about the, yeah, the, the then, elbow or something. Call it a basketball play. My lord, that was an awful call. You know, basketball officiating. I mean, when is it ever consistent? It's worse than football officiating, in my opinion. Yeah, it is. I I don't disagree with that. Mostly because you don't know what you're going to get out of it. It's constant. You don't mm-hmm. you don't know going into a game. Are they going to call many fouls? Or are they going to not call hardly any fouls? And then or in the if, first half of the game, they'll call like four. And then the second half of the game, they'll call like 19. Or if a certain ref who uh, the late, great Brian Toll absolutely despised, King Carl Hess is ref in a game. Yeah. But like that, that guy was an ass. He should not. He should have been tossed <laughs> from being an official two or three years before he was. What, what was Brian's infamous tweet about? Uh, Hess during the Nebraska Baylor NCAA tournament game. I think it was like, "Go suck on a warm tailpipe." <laughs> it's possible. Yeah, no, I was, I, I'm pretty sure I still have a screenshot of it because it was. I just thought it was so funny. If you can find that, send that to me, and I'll throw it up on the post. Um, yeah. every, everybody will appreciate that. And if, when they read it and they haven't listened to the podcast yet, they'll be like, "This is very much out of context." Uh, I'll have to listen to the episode and understand what's going on. So uh, Nebraska has, uh, you know, winners of their last three uh, with essentially seven players. I mean, uh, there's an eighth able body that's not playing, or are they playing all seven that they have? Apparently, there's an eighth guy. Is that uh, uh, Nana Atkinson or? No, he's he's suspended. Okay. 
I missed that. Yeah, I think I looked it up just a little bit ago, and I believe the eighth guy is a guy named Justin Costello or something like that. And he is a redshirt freshman out of Omaha. He's six foot one guard. All right. That was the that is the only guy on the roster that I could not account for. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so now today, you know, if people are getting up early and they're going to listen to this uh, Friday morning, uh, later today, Nebraska takes on Wisconsin as they continue their march towards not surrendering their season yet. I mean, that's it. The the postseason beyond uh, this weekend in Chicago is, you know, so uncertain. Uh, you know, the, they were talking a little bit about it. You know, the announcers were, uh, the radio uh, broadcast team anyway, they were talking about, you know, different scenarios and, and the possibility of, you know, uh, I think they were sending out an email to season ticket holders about, about uh, NIT tickets. Um, there's talk about, you know, especially if Nebraska beats Wisconsin, uh, you know, finding themselves back on that bubble. Uh, so, you know, a lot of things could, uh, you know, a lot of things still could go Nebraska's way this weekend. Uh, it's a really exciting time, and it's fun when, you know, I, I'm not following the game, but I check in on the Slack chat room, and uh, everybody's going crazy and, and yelling in all caps about, you know, positive things. Uh, it, it's it's kind, of a, kind of an interesting time, and, and uh, uh, just I'm, I'm enjoying it. This is when I enjoy college basketball the most. Well, you know, in my opinion, this is when college basketball season starts. That's, that's kind of it, – it is true because, they, I mean, things do just get nutty. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I'll watch Nebraska basketball throughout this entire season, but March is like – you know, it's nut-cutting time. And for any history majors or scholars out there, what's tomorrow? Tomorrow is uh, – The Ides of March! The Ides of March. What he said. Bucky better beware the Ides of March. Hmm. Yeah, the key to this the key to this game is how are they going to call the fouls? Yeah, they're right? gonna let East Hap get away with a bunch of cheap shit. It's gonna be Well, hard. you know what hack a hap is, right? Oh yeah. Greg, you know what that is? What's that? Hack a hap. Uh-uh. Okay. Hack a shit. Hack a hap is a phrase. And the reason why it's a phrase is Wisconsin has a player named Ethan Happ. He's one of the best players in the Big Ten. He's a big man, and he's really, really good, except that he can't shoot free throws. Oh. Okay? So literally, they most teams' strategy against Ethan Happ, Happ is to hack him. Gotcha. Now, but we cannot do that because we don't have the roster. Yeah, we, we don't, don't have the depth. The depth. Yeah. Otherwise, unless we put like uh, – Brady Hyman in there and just say go at him and you know whenever he tries to shoot hack him but yeah. you know then clock you still need five thousand and clock out right you need uh, you still need Hyman though for depth so you know and then you got that I can't, it was a Davison who's the guy that always draws tries to draw the charges for Wisconsin he's Mister Flopmeister he's the reason why we call them Flopsconsin Flopsconsin oh. I think it's Davis. I think his name is Davis, and he's a uh, blonde-haired guard. He's really annoying. Anyway, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with, you know, do we have a shot? I don't know. Maybe at some point we'll run out of gas, but it hasn't happened yet. And James Palmer has decided that he wants to be an NBA pick. So let him. 
Palmer was a dude today and yesterday. Yeah. Um, so we'll need more of that tomorrow or and, today, whatever this is. And we got to hope, you know, you know. It drives me nuts. I'm going to be in Chicago tomorrow, but I'm not going to arrive in time to go to that game. Well, that's Bum. your fault. I know. What, what time? Know. What time is tip off? Two. Oh, so I can listen to it at work again. Fantastic. Uh, we got to move on to uh, talk a little bit more about uh, Nebraska postseason athletics. Uh, John, you took in the Big awesome Ten. Day. Hmm? Uh, nothing, nothing. I say, John, John you took in the uh, uh, Big Ten wrestling tournament last weekend and uh, uh, shot some wrestling, got some really nice pictures uh, over at coordination.com. People can check that out. What what do you think? Because you've said you've never shot wrestling before. Well, number one, wrestling is a really easy sport to shoot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really is. They don't move. In, I mean, it's not like volleyball where they're lightning speed. You pretty much are restricted to a mat. Uh, it was, you know, I'd never, I, I have been to NCAA wrestling before, but I haven't been in the position I was last weekend. And it was, it was really, I enjoyed the hell out of it. And I, I will probably start covering wrestling more from now on out. Just because we don't have anybody, when we haven't been ever been able to find anybody to do that. But uh, uh, I mean, it was if you covered a little bit more, then you know, like for example, uh, Tyler Berger is the number two ranked wrestler at I think at one fifty seven, and and the right. number one ranked wrestler is uh, I believe it's Jason Nolf out of Penn State, and uh, Berger he just dominated Berger. I mean, he just ripped him apart when they wrestled in the final. But um, uh, Berger hasn't beat him. Berger's had two losses out of his three losses this season to him. But the NCAA tournament is going to come up in the next week or so, and we'll see what happens. Nebraska put eight wrestlers into the tournament for the first time since 2016. Uh, Yeah, I could go on about it for a while, but that's it for now. I I do agree with you that we need – we need somebody on staff to cover wrestling, uh, and I think there's somebody out there. Um, so we're going to put this out there. If you are a Husker fan, if you uh, follow wrestling and, and know about the sport and, and want to cover Husker wrestling for coronation.com and, and join us here on the podcast on occasion to, to discuss it. But, uh, you know, wrestling's big in Nebraska, and it it is a bit of a shame that we don't have, uh, you know, any any real – coverage for it i i used to try to keep people updated but i grew weary of it uh so and i'll I'll say one more thing about it yes please the crowd at williams arena it was a sold out arena uh the crowd was utterly fantastic and the reason why the crowd was they were mostly minnesota and iowa fans and of course iowa loves its wrestling but minnesota cheered for their wrestlers and every time iowa lost (laughs) That's that's good stuff. I, I can stand. I, I can stand in allegiance with such people. Yeah, it was pretty cool. That part was just the, uh, fun. The old, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. So quickly, because uh, we're gonna have to take a break soon. Uh, talk to me about this admissions bribing scandal because I don't know anything about it except apparently Aunt Becky is involved. John, have you, you paid have attention to it? Me? Yeah. Yeah, I know that uh, Lori Laughlin, a.k.a. Aunt Becky, 
from Full House, whose character is from Nebraska, because I was tortured with watching that show growing up, having an older sister and a younger sister, you know, who loved that show. Um, you know what? There were, there were Felicity times. Huffman. Who's Felicity Huffman? And, uh I don't even know what she's in. I saw her name. She was in Desperate Housewives. Oh, okay, well, there we go. If I remember correctly. That was on TV back when, what, Watergate was going down, John? (laughs) Yeah, sure, Watergate, yeah. When when you crossed the Washington, or crossed the Delaware with Washington? Holding a TV. (laughs) Holding a portable TV. (laughs) Well, this is brilliant. Hey, Washington, Washington is really curious about what the score to the Wizards game was. Um, and then William H. Macy. And, like, they were bribing. Not, well, John, take it away. You're probably more. Okay, here's, the, here's what they did. Okay, what they did was they, let's take an example. One of them tried to get their kid into USC who obviously didn't have any reason to get into USC because they were either A, a moron, B, they didn't care, C, uh they couldn't have passed the test that they wanted to. Uh, and D, uh, did I mention they didn't care? But what they did was they tried to, you know, when you go through the admissions process, you have to go through the admissions process as an academic person, right? Mm-hmm. So to bypass that, what they did was basically call this guy and have him arrange for <clears throat> a coach to put their kid on a team. In this case, it was the crew the rowing team, even though they'd never rowed before or hmm. done crew. But what happens is they put them on the team, they bypass admissions, they get admit- admitted, and then they take them off the team. Or they basically say, I quit the team, but I'm still part of the school because I'm admitted. So a lot of it was fraud. Uh, it reminded me of the, the book, The Firm, I guess. I'm not 100% sure what all these charges are going to come out to, except that they're like felony-level charges. Uh, The latest news on this today came out that a mother has sued Felicity Huffman and Lori Laughlin for $500 billion because her son was uh, harmed over not being able to get into one of these private schools. $500 billion dollars wow. i mean that that's i mean they'll be tossed out immediately in court but you know it's the principle it's, it's an excellent headline goddamn aunt becky i think the, the amazing yeah exactly the amazing thing about this is is that you kind of uh well there's a number of amazing things apparently one parent actually had their kid uh photoshopped into a water polo uniform and a water polo setting to show that he was on the water polo team, even though their high school didn't have a water polo team. Oh, jeez. I just, when, when this came out, I just thought to myself, what happened to rich people getting their kids into college the good old-fashioned way by taking out a checkbook and scratching the check for a nice donation? That's what you I know, was wondering, too. You I know, had that like- conversation with some people today, and here's the thing that I told them. This, we're talking about USC and UCLA, so even if you are a very wealthy person, how much money would you have to donate to those schools to be like a, you know, be considered wealthy? Because there's so much wealth in Los Angeles that I'm sure that these two people aren't even at the top of the spectrum. To us, they're like multi-multi-millionaires, but to people out there, they're like, eh, you're scum. 
Yeah, that, that's actually a really good point. I didn't even think of that. I, I this is really the first that I that I'm hearing about the entire thing. Um, it's mind-boggling in its uh, overcomplication. You know, like it's uh, uh, like this, uh, the fact that somebody would go to the trouble of doing doing that. You know, it's just I don't know. It's there, you've got to be, I guess, desperate to. I don't know if Lori Laughlin, for example, and uh, Felicity Huffman. So they probably live in Hollywood or L.A. or something like that, or in that area. So got to go, I guess, to a lot of trouble to make sure you want you know, your kid stays home. But man, there's you. You've got you. You've got money. You could send them to any school. Okay, this is the other thing that I had the conversation about. This isn't this isn't about you can't you can't be one of these people and send your kid to like Oklahoma State. You're not going to go on television and be on television and say, yes, my daughter's at Oklahoma State and have you know what I mean? When you have when you have obviously as much vanity, just sheer vanity as these people do, you can't do that. It's like it's like living in a neighborhood and I don't do this. It's like living in a neighborhood where all the neighbors compare who, where they go on vacation. Huh. Okay? Keeping up with the Johnstons. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and you look at your neighbors and you go, here's our photos of us in Cancun. Oh, we're here. We're a Mazatlan. Oh, oh well, we went, we to, went to Porco Jabupo or wherever the hell, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, here, Lori Laughlin. <laughs> yeah, Lori Laughlin gets to go, oh, yeah, my daughter's at USC. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's what it. That's what it's about. Yeah. Little Joey's in Yale. File this whole thing under things I never thought I'd hear in a million years. <sighs> right. All right. Uh, so, do we have any more on the scandal? Because no, go okay. on. Uh, that's it. Keeping uh, with California and legal problems, uh, this one hits a little closer to home. Uh, Mo Washington turned himself in. Uh, I guess he was formally charged. Do do we know any more particulars about that, John? Or I don't, I'm going to ask. Ha- I'm going to ask Haas this. What's up? I mean, he's 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 turned himself in. He's charged. Apparently, the court date is set around uh, when the spring date spring game is supposed to be somewhere in there. But here's what I want to hear from you. Uh, this guy got to still go to spring practice. We heard about how they didn't know anything about these charges, but then they did know about these charges, and yet he's still on the team. He's still practiced from spring practice up until he turned himself in. I, that sounds surprising to me. Well, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where it, it is, there's a lot of moving pieces to it. Uh, you know, the first one being that he wasn't a student or an athlete at Nebraska when it occurred. The second thing is, what are you going to do? Just totally kick him to the curb? You know, I don't have a problem with him continuing to practice. But doesn't it seem you know, kind of like maybe we're making excuses for Scott Frost already, or am I wrong? I don't think so, because I think Frost has been pretty above board with everything. Aside from the confusion when it first broke of, oh, John Bruning was representing him. Oh, John Bruning's not representing him. You know, 
Um, I don't think it's making excuses for Scott Frost. I think it's a athlete of yours gets into trouble. You know, he's going through the legal process. And until there's a distinction one way or another on his future, you're going to stand by him. I'll go with that. Well, I thought the dead air. I thought you were going to launch into like a tirade. No, I'm not going to launch into a tirade. I mean, if, you know, I, I, I didn't, if there was something you knew, you know what, if there was something we had that was concrete about what's going on, maybe you could launch into a tirade. Plus that I don't want to, I don't, you know, I mean, if Scott Frost, if we were in four years into the Scott Frost regime and he hasn't won stuff yet, then I might launch into a tirade. Yeah, I, you know, and it, I, you know, because it'd be safer. I'd be right there, be right there with you, you know, yeah. in that case. Yeah, but no, um, I I like the way that Frost is going about it. You know, like when something concrete comes out, when there's a you know a conviction following the trial, whatever, then you you know you make a decision on his future. But right now, you know, you stick with him while everything's still kind of being, you know. Parse through. I don't disagree. I guess I'm. Uh, All right. I'm on Omaha.com uh, from a Google search that got me there. Uh, I just typed in Maurice Washington, and, and a few days ago, uh, it's the timeline of this entire situation, uh, and I've worked my way up to mid-September of you know last year. Uh, so. Uh, you know, it looks like at one point, uh, and it says at some point, but it doesn't divulge when, but let's say it's September. It says at some point Frost asked Bruning whether the football staff should be concerned about the investigation. Bruning does not reveal details of the nature of the inquiry, but says it involved a text message when Washington was in California. Uh, Bruning tells Frost he doubted it will result in a criminal charge. No, obviously that was wrong. Um, so... Now we're all, I mean, it, it's, as far as uh, Washington goes, it's it's wait and see. Um, it was a, it was a dumb thing to do, uh, you know, in, in looking at, you know, looking at the timeline, the video that he, and I'm going to use words like allegedly, um, but the video that he allegedly sent uh, to the girl, uh he was not in the video. He did not take the video. He was not there. He was just a bit of, uh, I don't know, revenge or, 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 you know, sour grapes. I'm going to call it sour grapes. And he sent, allegedly sent it to her. And, and, uh, you know, you can't do that, uh, based on the content of the video and the ages of the people involved. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it was, if it happened, it was bad judgment. And I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, you know, this is all, I don't know, this is uncomfortable territory, I guess. We, yeah, we, it we, is. Yeah. We, and I say that, yeah. I say that for, for many reasons, but one, because I think as Husker fans, we expect better of our players, um, you know, of our, of our, you know, Huskers and things like that. And, and we have to realize that he wasn't even a Husker when this incident happened, um, but you know, it just goes to show that stupid mistakes, dumb mistakes that, that you can do at any time can, can follow you. So uh, my PSA to everybody is to uh, just make good decisions. 
just make good decisions. That's like what I talk a lot about to, uh, with my students in practicum, you know, and equate content and lesson plans to their own lives, you know, make good decisions, you know, just something like from World War II history, you know, so like or post-World War II, like the decision to go into Korea and Vietnam and the Cold War, you know, those have lasting consequences. What you do at 14, 15, 16 years old might not seem like it matters now, but it could follow you around the rest of your life. So there you have it, everybody. Yeah, I don't. You know, we didn't have phones. So this whole concept of uh, sending people photos of your junk and stuff like that, just I don't it just <laughs> it is so foreign to me. You know what I mean? Like you, don't, so, don't send the, you, don't, you don't send your missus pictures of your junk. I'm still no, waiting for him no. to, to send her the yeah, I mean, emoji ago, of the eggplant. You, you know what you did? You drew a picture on a piece on your notebook and held it up, and they all look the same. Look at that. Look at that right there. You didn't take Polaroids? What? Well, you didn't take Polaroids of yourself for your missus? That's just, no. Maybe people did, I guess. That's hey, kind of personal. That, do you remember the time that Greg and I told you to send a certain emoji? Yes. I, you know, and again, this is just, <laughs> all this stuff is bizarre. It's bizarre. It really is. I don't. I don't get the idea of doing any of that stuff. Well, speaking of bizarre, we're going to do something that we're still unfamiliar with. Let's take a Is quick it time to build. sell bacon? Yeah, bacon and or something else. Uh, we'll be right back after this quick commercial timeout. Welcome back to the Five Heart Podcast. And uh, Greg Mahochko here, of course. John Dam Johnston, Hoss Reuter. Let's talk uh, some happy, happy talk. Uh, real quick, Husker hockey. Uh, it, we mentioned, uh, you know, they were in action last week, uh, last weekend in the regional uh, tournament at Dort College in Iowa, uh, and they advanced. They went two and zero with a one nothing win and a three to two win. But actually, those games were reversed. So they uh, they beat Missouri State three to two, and then uh, they beat uh, the other team. Uh, Arkansas won nothing to advance to the uh, national tournament. That's going to be later this month down in Frisco, Texas. Uh, so congratulations to uh, the Husker hockey team and uh, go to the uh, five heart uh, podcast, Facebook page. I posted a link there this past week. Uh, this is a club sport. Much of it is, uh, you know, self-financed by the players and, and as such this trip to Texas is going to cost thousands of dollars. Uh, so if you want to help, uh, you can do so. Make a little donation, I believe, to the NU Foundation, and uh, they'll, they'll be able to kind of itemize that. Uh, I'll find out you know, where your uh, clicking originated from. Anyway, they're going to uh, raffle off some Husker hockey gear uh, when it's all said and done. So uh, I, I've already made my donation uh, so, because I, I want some Husker hockey gear. And, uh, guys, if you're listening, I'll take a jersey. I mean, I know you bought and paid for them out of your own pocket, and you probably want to take them home with you and, and uh, you know, keep them in your closet forever, but I'll take one. I, I'm, I'm a 2X. A and, and Hoss will take a hat. And, John, what do you want? Uh, we're, we're placing orders now. I want one of those sweatshirt things. Sweatshirt? You mean the sweater? 
Yeah. Yeah. So two sweaters and a hat. Um, well, you hook us up. We'll hook, continue hooking you up, Husker Hockey. You yeah. Know, we know you're listening. Uh, so anyway, congratulations to uh, the Huskers there, and uh, hopefully we can get a maybe a chat with Reed Fuller uh, maybe before they head down to Texas or after uh, the national tournament. So uh, let's move on. Uh, talk. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna sing to Hoss Reuter. We're gonna talk a little football. What? We're not actually gonna sing, but we're going oh, to. God. We're we're going to. Say. We're gonna bring up a topic <laughs> that hopefully makes him sing in happiness. Uh, and we're gonna talk a little bit about Adrian Martinez. With How the- high is Adrian Martinez ceiling, Ross? Hoss. Hoss. <laughs> I'll say who's Ross. Well, God dang it! This, you know, and I'm, I'm the, 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 con- the consonants get jumbled up in my brain. And I'm not going to lie; I thought you were going to say, "How high is Adrian Martinez?" I'm glad you threw in the ceiling because that is our question. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, a-, a Mart's ceiling, Hoss. Uh, is he is he New York caliber in his Husker career? I remember saying this. On, or I remember saying this to my friends and family who I was watching the game with last fall. I, after it was the Minnesota game, I remember saying this on Twitter, and I remember saying this in the Slack chat room all during and after the game. Adrian Martinez has the potential to be the best quarterback Nebraska's ever had. Better He's a great than- passer. He's a great runner. You know, Frazier is widely regarded as the best at Nebraska. He's an option quarterback. Therefore, you know, as athletic as he was, he was a system quarterback. Same can be said about Frost and Crouch and uh, Turner Gill to the people in John's generation is kind of the gold standard. To many people, you're blaspheming. But... Adrian Martinez can throw the ball at an elite level, and he can run at an elite level. He could be the best that we've ever had at Nebraska. Uh, What he did as a freshman is not – that does not happen very often in college football. And if we were any better than 4-8 and last year, he would have gotten a lot more publicity nationally. I mean – Take out the Michigan State game, his worst game of the year, because that game, that weather was atrocious, and that defense was just able to tee off because of the passing because the passing game was rendered non-existent. Other than the Michigan State game, what's his worst game? The Northwestern game. He still throws for two hundred and seventy-seven yards. I mean, the the kid is just you know dynamite. From the minute he stepped on the field against Colorado and had that t- long touchdown run off of a on the backside of a power read play, you know you could see the potential. And then his passing got better as the season progressed. Like the sky's the limit for him. He's got to work on some things. He's not a you know completely po- polished player at this point, but he's got to have people that he's got to have people that are going to help him out, though. Yeah, you need to have a better offensive line. Um, Do you think that's the key, or is it going to be in the receiving core? No, that's going to be the key. The running, the threat of the running game in Frost's offense is always going to open up one-on-one matchups for wide receivers. 
And if you can put a guy out there who can run good routes and knows how to get open, Martinez will find them. But if you gave Martinez, let's say, this is going to suck to say, but let's say you give Martinez Iowa's offensive line with great pass protection. How about if we say Wisconsin's? I thought Iowa's was better than Wisconsin's last year. Well, that's we're talking overall. Okay, yeah, let's let's go overall. We're talking because you're 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 giving me chest pains with this. (laughs) I'm the one Iowa offensive line thing. I'm the one who has to drive five hours to that fucking state tomorrow. (coughs) Oh yeah, Um, you give them the Wisconsin offensive line, good pass protection. Doesn't have to, you know complete his drop and then roll out of the pocket immediately because pressure's already getting to him. There's no telling what kind of numbers he put up. I mean, Adrian Martinez is the kind of quarterback in today's day and age similar. He could be similar to like a Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma. Um, you know, the, actually that's probably the best comparison. What about that? Who is it? The Baylor quarterback. Come on. When they were just whipping all, you know, was it Griffin? Uh, yeah. Robert Griffin. Oh, Robert third. Griffin. Yeah. yeah. He's probably not as fast top end speed as RG3, but that's another good comparison. Um, and those are very similar offenses to what we run as well. So that's a, that's actually a really good point of comparison, but I'm telling you, I wouldn't, his Heisman odds are at six to one. I wouldn't be shocked to see him in New York City at all. I think I said that to Greg on this podcast after the Wisconsin game last year. Anything's possible. You think it'll take next year or two years? Three years? Well, you know, next year could be, you know, a very explosive year offensively for us. But for the sake of accounting for – experience and being an upperclassman as a junior and all the talent that'll be around him for a second year in a row, 2020 is probably the year that I would bet that he'd be in New York City. Because in twenty, in 19 and 20, we will have, if no one gets kicked off the team or goes pro early, we will have the same 11 starters both years on offense. That would be different. Yeah, how long has it been since we've been able to say that? How long? I mean, in this day and age with, you know, for all the reasons, Haas, that you said, you know, be it, uh, you know, attrition of, uh, you know, transfer or, you know, declaring for the draft or, you know, other reasons that you might not, that, that a player might have to leave a team, perhaps not by choice or, uh, you know, graduation or, or injury or, or things because, like that. Or because your coaching staff gets fired because they suck. Well, yeah, I mean, but, but. In this day and age, when when would have been the last time any Division One school put you know the same eleven out there for you know two years in a row? I, I, yeah, it's not it's not common no at all. And that dawned on me late last season in the fall. You know, when it's getting to the end of the year, and yeah, we're not going to a bowl game, so you start thinking about the years to come, and it's like, wow, you know, this year we lose. Tanner Farmer, Gerald Foster, Stanley Morgan, and Divine Ozigbo. Divine. You know, losing Divine and Stan, you know, those are some pretty big losses. But then 
you start thinking it's like, but in 19, you know, you got a lot of returning experience on the offensive line still, you know, J.D. Spielman, Cade Warner, Jack Stoll, Adrian Martinez, Maurice Washington. And then you realize how young all those guys are. And you're like, damn, they're going to be here for 2020 as well, all together as a singular unit. Well, perhaps minus one of those names. Yeah, let's hope for the best. In that I know, but, I, you know, we were just talking about it. So um, so that, that your answer doesn't surprise me at all. Again, because we've talked about uh, Adrian Martinez and his potential. Um, but, you know, as you said, with a better record, he would have gotten more press, you know, last year. Uh, so it, it's not all on him. It's not all even on those 11 guys on offense, the defense has to do their part. And uh, let's let's talk a little bit about the defense. Um, is Muhammad Barry the de facto defensive leader? Oh, yeah, definitely. The way he plays the game, you know, from, his, from the linebacker position, He's the de facto defensive leader, but there are other guys stepping up. You know, Tui OT was talking about how Darian um, Daniels has really stepped up as a leader, the grad transfer from Oklahoma State, the older brother of Damian Daniels. And guy like, you know, Damian, oh my God, I've drawn a blank on a lot of things. Damian Jackson, the former Navy SEAL, mm-hmm. how he's really stepped up in a leadership position as well. And again, I think the defense will take could take a step forward this year. It's all dependent upon developing a good pass rush, like we talked about last week. And on top of that, and, and I know we've mentioned this before, and so, I, folks, I apologize if, if this is a rehash, but this is the first time that I think any of these Husker players have had a same, you know, defensive coordinator two years in a row. So you don't have, you know. Someone coming in, new ideas, new schemes, new, you know, defensive blueprints or, you know, however you want to call it. So there's going to be a lot more familiarity. I think the the guys who've been around uh, are going to be able to help get the new guys up to speed a lot faster because, you know, this is the second year under uh, Eric Shenander's defense. So, I mean, that's that can't be understated, I don't think. Not at all. Familiarity. Breeds comfort, you know. You you're familiar with the terminology. You're familiar with how a coach wants a certain technique to be played, um, and just the trust, you know. Uh, in education, whether it's in social studies class or on the football field, you know, the trust that a player has in their teacher or coach, and you know, the relationship that they develop that that's important. You know, it's absolutely crucial to have that familiarity and that trust. You know what I think is important in a defensive coordinator? Coordinator. (laughs) God. Hitting that one hard, Johnny? Yeah, it's a Guinness. Uh, I think it's important that your defensive – good God. I think that it's important your defensive coordinator not be batshit insane. Can you feel the strain? Can you feel the strain? There's no reasonable reason, no reasonable reason for a defensive coordinator to not be bad shit. 
I remember watching those Bob Diaco press conferences when the 2017 season went south, and it's like it's like talking to a madman. It's just I, you know some people should I. I know that I know that Lee Barfnick and uh, I think Sipple went it went a little nuts about you have to provide the coordinators to us to talk to the media. And my personal thought on that is uh, some people don't belong talking to the media. Some people can do their jobs perfectly fine without ever having to talk to the media. And the worst thing and that's that Bob, a good day. Well, it is. It is the worst thing Bob Diaco ever did was. Hold that tiny microphone up, like come on, really? My God! I think. Do you remember last year in spring practice when they interviewed Eric Chenander after one of the practices, and yeah. they handed him the mic, and he goes, "Am I supposed to hold it?" Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. I think, yeah, like, I think what John's God, trying to say God. is, is for some people, it's better to be seen and not heard. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm Bob not a Yacco, coach. Bob Yacco wasn't even seen. He coached from the box. I think that, that was what uh, hu- Lady Husker fans' biggest appointment, uh, disappointment was about that season because they couldn't look down on the sideline and see Bob Diaco. You know, I have to tell a funny Bob Diaco story. I don't think I've ever said it on this podcast. I was at the coaches' clinic in 2017. So he'd just been hired for you know, three months at that point. And everyone was excited when he got up there to talk about defense. And he ends up not even talking – anything about scheme he just talks about you know what they look for and at certain positions what critical factors of athleticism they want and he goes do you have any questions now i'm willing to bet 95 percent of the coaches in attendance and yours truly are nebraska fans there but i'm also willing to bet that everyone's there in a professional capacity they're not there as fans and someone at the very front of the you know crowd raised their hands, and he's you know like yeah, go ahead. You know what he asked them? What? I'm on pins and needles, needles and pins. Yeah, come on. The guy asks Bob Diaco, "When are you going to hand out the black shirts?" Oh my god! <laughs> and I was sitting all the way in the back of the. The crowd, and I could see Bob Diaco's face ex- facial expression all the way from the front. And if facial expressions could talk, it was basically, "What the fuck did I just get myself into?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like after that, I was just like, "You gotta be kidding me!" Like, that's your question. Nothing about the three four. How you coach your nose guard to, you know. In the on the lag technique to the backside a gap, nothing like that. It's when you got to hand out the black shirts, you know. I I was cringing for the guy. That's when they stopped letting anybody, just anybody, into those clinics, isn't it? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh man, yeah. there were some there was some awesome side commentary from some of the high school coaches during uh, Danny Langsdorf's presentation and all that stuff. Well, we're uh, almost out of time, everybody, but we have one more topic for you. And this is one that comes straight from John. He's curious to know. Food. Oh, my God. Expiration. No, we're not going to use. 
We're not going to use this. We've already done stupid with the dick pics thing. <laughs> Polaroids. Penis Polaroids is what they used we to be are called. Going to have to, we're going to have to get better organized than this. No, you know what? This is what people at SB Nation who, if there's anyone out there who's like an SB Nation podcast super fan, they have to enjoy that this podcast gives you passionate Nebraska football discussion, technical discussion on Nebraska football and football as a whole, and just a lot of irreverence. I thought we kept it on topic today. We we went a little long on a few topics, but... uh, you know, I, I would I would say that the one more topic we need to cover is this, and that is what the hell is going on in Nebraska right now. So I weather. mean, it, it looks like half the state is flooded, and well, the other Ol- half is Omaha's snowed under. In pretty good shape, although 67th Street through Elmwood Park by UNO was closed yesterday because of standing water, and, and probably because the potholes on that street make it look like Dresden after the Allied bombing raids in World War II. Uh, shout out to everybody in Newman, Newman's Newman, singular Newman plural, Grove. Newman Grove, uh, including our boy Patrick uh, Patrick Gerhardt, who is of course a coordination fan number one. Yeah, uh, but uh, hope everybody out that way is okay. Everybody that's under you know any of that uh, you know the the flash flooding or or you get out west. Uh, you know I got friend of the show Josh out in Scotts Bluff uh, area and. Uh, uh, you know, he was, he was fighting the snow and, and, uh, you got the ranchers who are trying to do calving and, and, uh, you know, keeping, keeping the babies, you know, alive and warm in the overnight hours. So, uh, if you're out there ranchers, this is the podcast for you because we care because we mentioned you this one time in 116 episodes. Uh, well, Jill's, Jill's town of Osmond, I understand the levee broke and the town flooded. Is that right? I don't know. I drove to the she- uh, I-, I drove to the levee, but the levee was dry. So I don't man, know. she posted a photo. I think uh, <laughs> she posted a photo yesterday of downtown Osdman. I think it was, and it was it was uh, horrible. I mean, it looks horrible, and uh, I imagine I here here I'm worried about my sump pump going out, and that's it. You know, and I kind of feel bad for all these people that are just dealing with uh, just hell. Well, they they said that the River forecast for Omaha on Saturday or Sunday, I can't remember which, the Missouri's supposed to crest at 34 feet right at the 480 bridge. So that normal stage is 14 feet. Oh, that sounds terrible. It's it's not good. I'm reminded of my first winter uh, in Nebraska uh, when I was living up in Shadron and I was a, a wee lad of 21. Uh, and we got on a, on a Sunday night while I slept, we got 14 inches of snow. And when I woke up Monday morning, I realized that we had the snow and, uh, it became painfully, uh, aware that perhaps I should have a paid more attention to the weather forecast at the radio station that I worked at at the time and two should have had a snow shovel. So my happy ass had to walk half a mile in the snow to work that day, half a mile past the Safeway on the way home, bought a snow shovel, carried it home, spent my four hours digging my car out of the snow and uh, making sure that it was going to get down the hill okay. It was a good time. Learned a lesson. Have a snow shovel. Snow but it was March. 
It was March when that happened. March 14th. I'll never forget. We've yep. gotten some of our worst blizzards in March. It makes no sense to me. Y'all need to get your stuff figured out. That's why South Texas or South Louisiana sounds pretty appealing. You couldn't... I, I, all right, this is me. Have you ever been to South Louisiana in August? I have not, but you know what? Okay, After let me winter, tell you what. You know, South Louisiana in August, uh, the precipitation, doesn't. it doesn't rain. It doesn't have to rain. You know what I mean? It's just there hanging. The humidity is that. Yes. It's like living inside a bottle of Aunt Jemima syrup. You know what it is? It's like Minnesota <laughs> in February. Here, here's the no, thing. Nobody goes outside because it's that damned miserable. See, now, now that's one critique for living in Louisiana or Texas. Um, my thing is I couldn't live in Texas because there'd be too many Texas fans. Just like Texas I, is a fun state. I'm sure it is, but there are too many Longhorn fans, Cowboys fans, uh, people from Austin, period, that are kind of weird. Um, <laughs> you don't like hippies. No. And I couldn't live in SEC country, just like I couldn't live, you know, in the in the Northeast because that's like, you know, Patriots country, and I couldn't live in Ohio. I essentially have ruled out places on the map that I could live based on the teams that are there and the people that so I'd have to have deal like, with. Do you have, like, a footprint of, like, Illinois, Missouri, and Nebraska? Uh, Illinois is about to be ruled out because the the state's crazy. Um, well, that's not exactly encouraging news. I go to check out Illinois State for grad school. Tomorrow. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I tell you, there's fine uh, collegiate institutions in the southern part of the state. I'd be more than happy to take you on tours. Do you consider Bloomington normal as being in the southern part of the state? I do not. No. But I'll tell I'm you not what. I'm going to Southern Illinois. I'm not going to coal country. But I'll tell you what. If you were in Chicago, they would consider Bloomington normal in Southern Illinois because that's how everything is in this state. Well, it's, it's like Nebraska. You know, anything west of Lincoln is just you know there. Well, I, I've lived in Texas, and I can tell you that Texas is uh, Texas is like living in a whole other country, and I, and the reason why that is. I know most people will go, well, it's Texans, full of crazy Texan people. No, it's because it, it's giant, number one. And uh, Dallas is, is a lot different than Austin and a lot different than San Antonio. And they're all different than El Paso. And they're certainly different than Lubbock. So you get this massive, giant land space. And each area has its own kind of different types of people. And then you bring in Houston, which is like where you'd stick the enema tube if you were going to do that in the entire <laughs> United States. I and I, 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 I really always thought about moving back to Dallas. And but then I go down there in like summer and it's just, oh, my God, I just the heat is just so nasty and the humidity is so nasty. I, I don't want to I don't want to disagree with you too much, John. But I always thought that if you were going to put an enema somewhere in the U.S., it was going to be Tallahassee. Iowa I haven't City, been yeah. to Tallahassee. I, well, Iowa City, yeah. You could go with Washington, I've been to Gainesville, Florida, and I think an enema could probably go there. All right. Well, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to finish with the fact the United States has many holes in which to have <laughs> come out of. Like Iowa City. That's our or show, everybody. Nebraska. 
We hope that you stuck around uh, all all the way, all this hour, uh, just to find out. And, and we're curious, where would you like to put uh, the country's enema hole? Uh, <laughs> join us in, in the comments, and, and we'd really like to hear it. Uh, uh, I've heard Tallahassee is a great place for an enema. Uh, you know, uh, Gainesville, Iowa City, uh, you know, hey, uh, Washington, D.C. probably needs one. Um, you know, it, it, if if you've got a place in mind that you're like, you know what, this place is full of shit. Uh, let's put a giant tube there and and uh, enema this community. We want to know about it. Just you know, just start. no. I don't. I don't have the street address right offhand, but uh, <laughs> John Johnston's residence. What the West- hell? <laughs> There's other fine people that live here. That's. I I can't. I can't. There's your wife. I mean, yes. All right. So here, here's one. Here's one for you. Eight two five Stadium Drive, Iowa City, Iowa. There you go. Hey, Mo- do you want me to drop off the enema tomorrow? I mean, I'll be passing through. You, you know what? I, I will PayPal you the money if you go to a Walgreens, get an enema kit, take it over there to the, the like the stadium, put it on the door, take a picture of it. Send it to me. I'll put it on the Facebook page and Twitter, and you, you can give Kinnick Stadium an enema. Or what if I sent it in a UPS package addressed to Kirk Ferentz? There, there's, a, there's an address for that. Well, now he's going to know where it came from. <laughs> it's not like a hate crime, is it? No. I don't know. It probably it will be next week. Just a poop crime. I, w- I was thinking also, Greg, that we're going to set up some kind of voicemail box so people can leave us phone messages before the season starts. But we'll talk about that later. That'd be I'm going to get seriously sauced one night off of about 20 Coors Banquets and call into that. Oh, that'd be great. Oh, my God. With a fake name, of course. Yeah, like we won't be able to tell. I could hear yeah, it now. I'm very distinct. I could hear it now. This, this is uh... this is Ross Plater. <laughs> That's the same name I was uh, going to use. Be, be my <laughs> alias, Henry Hill. All right, everybody. We got to go. That's our show. Uh, we appreciate you listening this week, every week, downloading, sharing. Uh, uh, hopefully you like the new uh, web player that's right there on coordination.com. It, it makes things very easy. And, uh, yeah, that's it. We will see you next week. Uh, remember that Huskers are in action later today if you're listening to this on Friday, and why not? It, it's timely if you listen to it on Friday. Uh, so go Big Red, beat Wisconsin, and so on and so forth. Uh, for myself, Greg Mahochko, for John Dam Johnston and Haas Reuter, we remind you this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need. John? Go Big Red, beat Wisconsin, and move on. Beat the hell out of Bucky Badger and win the damn offseason. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com.